Hey Connect Church, PD here. Just want to welcome all of our online viewers, wherever you are around the world, somewhere in this beautiful country, somewhere local in the comfort of your home. Hey, welcome to Connect Online. My name is Pastor Derek, if you don't know who I am. And I want to um, take us back into a series that we just started a couple of weeks ago. This is part three in a series that we've entitled STD. You heard it right if you're here for the first time, but it stands for Socially Transmitted Diseases. There are these things that happen within our culture that can produce a lot of toxic responses. And this series has been dedicated to dealing with uh, some of our culture issues that we are in currently right now. In week one, I kind of got into the theology, kind of how does grace and truth coexist. Is it possible to stand firm in your convictions and love well? And what should our convictions be about grace and truth? And so we kind of unpacked that in week one and we discussed a sociological, a theological, and a relational problem. But I want to highlight the sociological problem, which basically is we are currently living, for those of you who are checking in, and tuning in, we're living in an autonomous culture. That is a self-rule culture. I decide. It's my body. I can do what I want to. I have my convictions. That's okay, but the problem is when my beliefs are different than your beliefs, there's not a tolerance for that anymore. We have a chaos that's come from that, and in fact, we're, some, we're sometimes in great conflict because of this autonomous culture that we are in today. And then in week two, um, I did my best to try to explain using the life of Daniel, and he is our key character for the remainder of the series, how Babylon, which is more than a location or destination in the Bible, it's really more representative of a, of a worldview, of the world's view. And we learned in the life of Daniel and through an initial test that he had with his three amigos, Rack, Shack, and Benny, come on, some of you guys know that from Veggie Tales, that uh, after Jerusalem had been besieged and taken from the great king, the supreme leader, Nebuchadnezzar, there was this indoctrination process that they were taken into. Modern version might be a brainwashing. And we talked about how that happens. You first have to be taught the language and literature. Second, you have to begin to observe the customs of, of, of Babylon. And third, you're trained, in this case, uh, for three years, much like Jesus did with his disciples. And so Kind of my point was this, that if you're, not, if, you're, if you're not being indoctrinated by the Word of God, you're being indoctrinated by the Word of the world, the, the world's view upon yourself. So my question as we transition into today's topic is, are you learning the language and literature of the things of God? Are you in a student mode with your relationship with God? Are you in fervent devotion are you spending time in the Word? Are you, as the Bible says, studying to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth for the different situations and the different decisions that need to be made? Are you observing the customs of a Christian? Are you practicing your faith? A lot of people say, 
um, I believe in the church, but we're not a part of the church. A lot of people say, I believe in the tithe, but we don't practice the tithe. A lot of people believe that there are spiritual gifts, but we don't know them. We don't use them. So are you observing the customs of Christianity? And lastly, are you being trained? You know, we all need, in order to make disciples, we have to become fully devoted followers. We have to be made disciples ourselves. And I believe there's no day like today where we need to know what we believe, in whom we believe, and how to apply what we believe. Can I have an amen in the chat out there today? So uh, today, everybody say today. Today, um, we're going we're gonna to move forward in the life of Daniel. We're going to kind of unpack Daniel chapter 1 through 6 is where we're camping. The last six chapters of the book of Daniel are related to end time prophecy. And uh, the first six chapters have to deal with these different tests within a hostile culture to the people of God and to the word and ways of God. And so I attempted to uh, kind of uh, talk about these two truths of grace and truth. And I had a little more emphasis on the grace side last week. This time I want to talk a little bit more about the truth side. In other words, how do we stand strong? How do we stand firm uh, in our faith when it comes under fire? Literally, when it comes under fire, we'll see in today's story. And tests will come. Some confrontation is an inevitability, an eventuality, if you are really practicing your faith, if you're really a Christ follower. Can I have an amen out there? So you may never face, for example, a deny or die situation. Like it's like it could be and does happen in different parts of the world today. Some people are in that situation. In fact, sometimes I'm preaching via uh, a Zoom uh, over in the Middle East, and and there'll be people that uh, when the altar call is given, they'll have bags over their head because they don't want to be seen on camera. Uh, perchance uh, someone would see them and they would be persecuted and even killed for confessing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's still in our world today. We may never be in a situation like that, but I still believe God wants us to have within us the courage should we ever be confronted uh, to make such a decision. And so I want to give you uh, a scripture. Today's message is entitled, Stand Strong. Here's, there's many scriptures related to this, but here's one I like. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14 says, Be on your guard. Uh, stand firm. Come on, somebody say, stand firm. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Remember that word, courageous. Be strong. Be strong. I love that one. And then lastly, do everything in love. Look at that. Right in that verse, you can still see truth, but you can also see grace. Balancing the two sides is always the goal of the scriptures. Now, many of you probably have had different experiences in America as a Christian where um, you feel you know, a little uncomfortable about expressing your faith and expressing maybe the truth of God's word. Maybe it comes around like when you go to dinner. I don't know if any of you still practice this, but I was raised that we say grace before we eat our meal. And a lot of people don't do that anymore. They just start mowing down. You know what I mean? God's neat. Let's eat. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. Let's go. No, we need to be thankful. And we used to always express our thanks. But I've seen a lot of people, not so much in the South, 
It's always refreshing when I go to the south because I can see multiple families and individuals praying over their meals. Whereas in the north, it's not as common. So when somebody in the north does it, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, thank you for, is the waitress gone? Is the waitress gone? Oh, she's coming back. In the name of Jesus, amen. And, you know, we're kind of real quick about it, right? Or maybe you've been around, you know, that guy who, like, is your friend and they're like Joe Christian and they're super loud, you know, and they're like, you know, Lord, I just want to thank you for the bounty that we are about to partake of. And they keep praying and praying and praying. My daddy was a little bit like that. You know what I mean? Like he would clear the room when he would start to pray. And, and, and I'd be a little bit like, oh, kind of a little embarrassed, kind of a little bit ashamed. Like, what are they going to think? And, and sometimes there's the guy who like, uh, they get a little too intimate. You know what I'm saying? It's like, they're the ones that like, hey, why don't we all join hands? You know, it's a group of guys. Well, and I'm like, you know, I love Jesus, but you know, I don't love you enough necessarily to hold your hand, you know, so I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable with that. But there's a little, the point I'm trying to make is sometimes there's this little guilt or conviction inside of us. And I think we've all experienced that when it comes to the expression of our faith or standing sometimes out. Sometimes we got to stand up and we got to stand out. Today's message, I meant, I meant to call it stand up. That's what it's called, not stand strong. We need to stand up and we need to learn how to stand out sometimes. We're supposed to be like stars, the Bible says in Philippians 2, shining bright in the universe, okay? Not like uh, you're just hidden under a bush, you know? No, it's supposed to be out there. So I want to help you with that today because Sometimes we have that conviction of the Holy Spirit, and that's normal as Christians, but, but sometimes we, we, uh, we're, not, we're ill-equipped to be able to know how to uh, stand up and stand out. Recently, in fact, just last week, um, our service was really powerful, I'm sure online, but also in person, and a woman came to me after the service, and she said, Pastor, and this was, she, she, she was you know, kind of head bowed, and and a precious woman that I love. And she says, um, I'm so, I'm under such conviction. I'm so ashamed. I said, what, what's the matter? She said, well, and she's a widow. She said, you know, my husband, he died of cancer. And, and in all our time together, I, we never prayed together. We never, I never, I never prayed for him or with him. I'm so ashamed. And then, then he died. And then I dated another guy and for a whole year. And then he died of the same thing, same type of cancer. And I never prayed with him. I'm so, I'm so ashamed. I feel so guilty. And I said, you know what? And I put my finger kind of right, right here. And I just said, hey, listen, honey, listen, listen. Let that work in you. This is a word for somebody out there. Let that work in you. Don't let it just go in one ear and out the other. Don't let it just kind of drop in your head and then go right out. Let it get down in your heart. The Bible says, listen, it says, worldly sorrow leads to regret. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. You know what real repentance is? Repentance isn't a 360. Repentance is a 180. It's when you make a change. And I can remember what it's like and many times in my Christian experience to be ashamed and not, to, and not stand up for my faith when that opportunity popped up. But there was a couple of situations in my life where I drew a line in the sand and I said, may it never be said of me again that I would be ashamed of God before others. If there was an opportunity that I would be bold and I would be willing to share. Sometimes those moments, we, we, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit unattended becomes condemnation. But attended to can become life change for you and for somebody else. So this message is about standing up for God. And it's about predeciding some things regarding your faith for when those moments of confrontation and those moments of testing come. So we're going to look at 
a hallmark story in the book of Daniel. There's two really big hallmark stories. One you know is Daniel in the lion's den, but we're going to look at another one that I'm certain for those of you who went to Sunday school maybe growing up, you've heard this. It's taken from Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 and following. And, um, but I'm going to start right out of the gate. Daniel 1.1, look what it says. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebi Nebi, made an image. He made an image of himself. He made an image. Now I want you to see this word image comes up a bunch. And another word that's critical too, it's the word sound. Image and sound. And I want you to see that because one of Bab Babylon's methods... Babylon representing a worldly culture, a worldly system, not just a destination. Culture's methods a lot of times are, not to, are, are to get its ideology to uh, be superimposed on our theology. It's, it's it, uses, it uses images and sound to make that happen. In other words, the enemy never comes out and just overtly tries to uh, trick uh, tries to uh, challenge truth. He tries to trick you. He he masks it. It's more covert, and he uses images and sounds. I'll say it like this. Another way to say it is: you need to be careful what you what you hear and what you see. What images that you allow into your heart and mind, and what what sounds you allow into your ears and your heart and your mind. Because the enemy's messages, the enemy's curriculum, the enemy's literature and language is always masked in something you think is benign. Okay? So, I love God, Pastor, uh, and, and, but this movie, I know it mocks him. I know, it, I know it's, uh, you know, real, it's kind of like, against what I believe, but I'm just having some popcorn and, and drinking some pop. It's no big deal. Like, we're just having fun, right? And, and I know this, you know, this song, this music's a little strong and kind of offensive maybe to different things that we would say or, or believe or, or profess. You know, maybe it's sexually inappropriate or maybe it has satanic lyrics in it, but it's just a song, you know, kind of pity, no harm, no foul. I know this holiday <laughs> that we just celebrated, might have some questionable things about it in the past and maybe even in the present and, it, and, and there's some roots to it that might be confrontational to Christianity and, but I'm just having some fun with the kids. I'm just having some fun with the family and, and I know there's some death and there's some gore and there's some evil spirits and there's some demons, you know, on buildings and stuff like that but just, hey, can we just focus on the fun, you know? It, you know, isn't it, it's, it's okay, right? It, <laughs> Is it? I'm just going to leave it like that, you know, like, Selah, let's move on, okay? So, Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this image of gold. It says 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide. It's 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, uh, modern translation. And it's set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summons these different leaders, all these top dogs, and all these officials, in the dedication of the image he had set up. So then all these leaders... They come together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Then he heralded loudly. He, he said it super loud. Nations and people of every language, every tongue, this is what you are commanded to do. And that's what culture will do sometimes. Culture will get loud. It will get obnoxious. And it's going to make you think that if you, you're going to lose it all if you don't comply. 
If you don't do what I tell you to do, there will be a great price and cost for you. And then it says this, as soon as you hear this sound, remember images and sound, there's that word again, and there's always something attached to that. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the zither, what is that? I don't know. Um, the, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image. Notice he doesn't say me, he says the image of me. So it's, it's masked. The image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. So you don't realize this. This is an image of Nebuchadnezzar, but he says worship the image. Okay? Whoever does not do that will immediately, within the hour, you'll be thrown into a blazing, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as you hear, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and people of every language, they did just that. They got down and they worshiped the image of gold that the king had set up. But, everybody pay attention, verse 12, there are some Jews who have, you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. These guys didn't do that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. They don't pay attention to your sound. They don't pay attention to your image, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. These guys are like, we're not bowing. We're not bowing down. And, 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 and it's very important that we um, are bowing to the right thing. Because the reality is we're all bowing to something. You know, we're all worshiping something. We're all, um, we're, we're kind of all in a, we're in a war for worship within our world today. We may not have this issue of a graven image or sound to that kind of music, but we might have some modern sounds and some modern images, and, and, and you're going to have to insert those for yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal those to you. But I think we need to be a little bit more careful uh, about what we give our time, what we give our eyes to, what we give our ears to, what we give our attention to, what we give our affections and our resources to, because what you worship is what you serve. What you worship is what you serve. And you were created to worship. You were created to worship. But we all, and we all worship something or some things. But we were created. Come on, somebody. We were created to worship God. And so Nebuchadnezzar, Nebi Nebi, as I like to say, as I learned from VeggieTales, he reacts just the way the world reacts today. He gets fired up. The Bible says he gets furious because he wants the worship. And that's really a satanic impulse of the world today is to steal worship from God. All worship belongs to God first and foremost. And so culture today, so many words is basically saying, I don't, I don't just disagree with you. I, I am angry with you. I am furious with you. I hate you. I want you to suffer for not doing what I believe and what I think is the priority. And it's so crazy today, and our nation will never be restored to the great nation it is if this doesn't begin to change. But I believe the church is the agent of change and must lead in this regard. Verse 13, it says this. Furious with rage, the king summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar says to them, is it true? Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you didn't serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? I'm going to give you one, I'm going to give you one more chance. So when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if, you, if, you're, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image of gold, good job, very good. And, and he's, basically, he's basically trying to, do, trying to intimidate them. And what I'm trying to prepare you for church that's listening to me is for these 
types of situations and scenarios. Maybe not exactly or like this or as extreme as this, but ladies, you might be out on a date night and you feel pressured to compromise your convictions regarding your purity. I want you to be prepared for that moment. Uh, you might be pressured into uh, the, 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 the culture's view of marriage and its redefinition. You might be pressured to, at the office, laugh about something inappropriate, and if you don't, you're going to be an outcast. You might, modern right now, and again, I'm not trying to make a political statement, but you might be pressured to have to you know, take a vaccine and you don't, believe, you don't believe you should. And again, I'm not for or against that. I'm just thinking that we should still have that freedom of choice. And, and, and so this is, this, is, this is a big deal. That one's a big one today. It's a big one in our world today. This is the dilemma. The church, Christians are often put in positions where they don't feel equipped. And, and they're like, I love God, but how do I, what do I what do I do in those situations? Well, look at verse 15, what happens? Because I think there's some situations where we have to take a stand. Some I don't think we should, but others I think we definitely need to. Verse 15, it says, the king spoke to them and said, but if you refuse to bow down and worship, you're going to be thrown into the furnace right away. And what God can deliver you? Perhaps he said it like, what, what God, Skywalker? can deliver you from my hands? You know, like it, it was probably a dark dark sound, a Darth kind of, you know, Vader sound, uh, uh, you know, in that moment. Who, who could deliver you from my hand, Skywalker? <laughs> anyway, but truth is, a lot of time when the devil's intimidating, there's a lot of bark but no bite. You know, the Bible says, greater is he who is in us than he is in the world. And we get all charged up and we get all excited. That's right, Pastor. I believe that. Amen. But in these moments, a lot of times... We get intimidated. We get a little freaked out. So let's talk about how to stand up for our convictions. Number one, standing up takes courage. Come on, put that in the chat. Put the word courage. Courage isn't the person who doesn't have fear. It's the person who won't bow to it when they are afraid. I wrote this in my notes. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is standing firm in spite of my fear. Verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not worried about what will happen to us. Now, I submit to you, they said that, but they had to be a little afraid. I mean, the truth is, this wasn't some kind of, uh, um, you know, a bluff of the king. No, he, he's, this isn't a vain threat. Like, this is really going to happen. I, and what I think happened, though, is because they didn't, uh, they, they didn't let fear win in that situation. Courage rose up within them in this moment. And the truth is, I don't see this as much in the church of Jesus Christ today. I don't see a courageous Christianity in our world today. And the truth is, I, you may not need this message perhaps right now, but I think someday you will. And I think you're going to be in a situation, you're going to have a circumstance in your life where you're going to be confronted some way, shape, or form to compromise your Christian values and convictions. In fact, um, this was a while back, but I wanted to connect it to a previous message if you heard it. But we had a lesbian couple that was going to connect. They actually sat right there in the front row. They loved connect. They especially loved the worship and they loved to listen to me. And praise the Lord. There was a few of those at, back then. And, and um, in fact, she, she, we, we, we developed a, I developed a relationship with both girls. And, and, and they're, um, they were just great people. 
Um, um, I ended up going to the same gym as one of them. But I can remember one day, uh, this is after they broke up, and it was a difficult breakup for, for them. Um, one of them came to me and said, now, Pastor Derek, how do I say this? But Pastor Derek, if I bring my partner to this church, after deciding we wanted to get married, are you saying, as my pastor, that you won't marry us? And I can remember when that question came, it was actually in the back office right behind me, uh, a little bit of fear came over me in this moment. Not a fear of her, but a fear of what would happen to our relationship. But something in that moment rose up inside of me, like this is, this is important. This is a defining moment. At that same moment of fear, there was a courage inside of me. And I said something to the effect that, you know what, uh, I won't say her name, but I would do everything Almost, almost anything to save you, to help you, to, to care for you, to, if you were hurting, if you were drowning, if you were dying, like I would even, even at great risk and peril to myself physically, but I cannot meet with all my heart, I cannot meet that request because the truth is, you're absolutely correct. I couldn't marry you. Please understand my love for you is unconditional, but my convictions are unmovable. And I'm sorry if that hurts you. Truly, truly I am. And I remember her turning away and walking out of my office with tears just coming down her face. And I remember just saying goodbye and I'm sorry and I closed the door and I cried. That experience should be in some way, shape or form our experience. There has to be a way to be able to draw a line in the sand but still have love in your heart. And she walked away. I cried. She cried. But in this instance, I knew I couldn't compromise. In this instance, I had to stand for truth in this moment. I hope you're understanding this and trying to grasp this because this may be required of you at some point in time. What will you do in that situation? The day she left the church and the pastor she loved, that was a tough day and I, and I had to live with that situation. But I can't. I can live with that situation. It wasn't easy, but it was the right thing to do. And sometimes, sometimes in those situations, there's no option but to stand for the truth and just trust God uh, with the results. Can you stand up for what you believe in spite of what you fear? I believe when you do, something powerful happens inside you and could actually happen through you. So I have a really good friend. His name is David O'Brien, and we were really close many, many years ago. He moved uh, out of state, and I was reaching out to him to confirm, is, do I have this story right? Let's, I need to go back in time a little bit. But my friend Dave, real smart, very successful now, Lord has prospered him, prospered his marriage, his family, his finances, amazing. But it was directly connected to an experience that he had at kind of a middle level position within his company. He was doing a lot of cash management at the time. He was really smart, really did, did really, really well with numbers. And his, his boss uh, was doing some shady things within the company. And basically, he was floating checks. And to overstate the amount of cash the company had on hand in each you know, reporting period. And it was basically a form of, a form of bank fraud. And my friend discovered what was happening. He realized that he's like, he's, he's being asked to write checks for things and there's nothing to support that. It wasn't bouncing out. And once he discovered that this had happened, he was in a dilemma as a Christian. 
Is he just going to go with the flow because it's not his decision? He's under, he's, he's got a boss. It's really on them. And is he going to bring it up? And if he does, what, what's going to happen? His job is in peril. If he did, he could get fired, just kicked out. And, and he's got a family. And all these things were going through. It's a very difficult situation. It, 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 and ultimately, you know, he sought counsel. And he prayed about it. I remember praying about it, and then we talked about it. I said, man, I understand, man, this is tough, but I, I, the, what do you think the right thing is to do? And he says, I, I think I, I, I've got to notify our client. And their client was Citibank, <laughs> in, uh, I think in New York City. And so he ends up notifying them and letting them know what was going on. And apparently, you know, they could come in and do an audit at any time, but they come in, they do an audit, and they find out and they confirm uh, the, the fraud and, and, and the owners of the company were removed. The company had to be sold to someone else uh, because uh, they, they didn't have the financial resources to sustain and they turned it over to another company. And it was a huge, huge, huge test for my friend. He ends up moving to another state. The whole, his whole company you know, shuts down. But he gets promoted through that. He gets a great job out of that, bumps up several notches as a result of his conviction, standing up for what was right under a very, very difficult set of circumstances. And so I want to encourage you. Sometimes it takes courage. So I'm encouraging you to be courageous. There will be these moments. And when these moments come, number two, you're going to have to stand, to stand up. It takes faith. Sometimes there's this gap between the positive outcome and the test. There is this waiting period, this space in between. So you have to have faith, number one, that God is on your side. You have to have faith that no matter what happens, He is with you. You have to have faith that the consequences of your decision, you are not alone, that God is with you. Look what happens in the story in verse 17 and 18. It's one of the coolest parts of the story. It says, if we are thrown, this is what the three amigos said, if we are thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us. By the way, he can, he, we're not, he can handle this. And he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. Look how respectful they still are. But this is amazing. If he doesn't, please understand, sir, that even, even then, we will never, under any circumstance, serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have erected. Can you hear the conviction and the respect? As my friend used to say, these boys have some big batteries. Come on, somebody. They made a vow that they would not bow. They would not bow to another idol. The only, they would only bow to the one true God. You know why? Because they believed in a win-win situation. What do I mean? I think this is important to you to know as a Christ follower. We, we, we subscribe as Christians to a win-win situation. An incredible verse that explains this is 2 Thessalonians. Um, and it says this. It says, My God will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. So I used to read that and think, wait, is he going to rescue me from the attack or is he going to bring me into his heavenly kingdom? Which one is it, God? And God's answer is yes, yes. It, 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 it's, it's both. In other words, it's, it's, it's kind of either way. Either way, you win. <clears throat> he's either going to rescue you from the situation or he's going to welcome you into heavenly realms, into a heavenly kingdom. This is the win-win situation. Paul said to live is Christ, but to die is gain. To, if I live, I, I get to preach some more. I get to plant some more churches. I get to do some more writing of letters to the churches that I planted. If I die, you cut my head off. Ha, no problem. I'm going to be 
with Jesus. You can cut my head off, but I'm going to be with Jesus. It doesn't matter. What do you do with a guy like that? What do you, that's a win-win uh, perspective. <clears throat> By the way, this isn't so much about standing against something. It's more about standing for someone. And, and so, you know, as a Christian, I'm not, I'm not against divorce. I'm for marriage. I'm not against homosexuality. I'm not against transgenderism. I'm not against that. I'm for my identity in Christ and your identity in Christ. I'm not against you and against you or for you and against you. I'm for God. I'm for God who loves you both equally. <coughs> that being said, there are these moments. Sorry about that. That being said, there are these moments where my daddy used to say, if you don't stand for something, what happens? You can fall. You can fall for anything. So sometimes we have to take a stand, right? And that's what today again is about. So look at verse 19. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, he is filled with fury. His face becomes dark with anger. And he looks at these three guys and he says, command the fire to be heated up seven times hotter. And so some of the, it took some of the strongest men, you know, uh, of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the fire. In fact, they bound them tight with ropes and threw them into the furnace, fully clothed. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames actually leaped out and killed the soldiers as they threw them in. This is amazing. But then it says, but suddenly. Come on, everybody, say suddenly. This, um, uh, preach alert, okay? But suddenly, as he was watching, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, hey, didn't we throw three guys in there? Yes, they said, we did indeed, your majesty. Well, look, Nebuchadnezzar says, I see four men in the fire, unbound, walking around in the fire. And they aren't even hurt by the flames. And the fourth looks like a god. The fourth looks like, in one translation, the son of God or the son of man. The fourth looks like Jesus, everybody. I, they're like, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm seeing something, but there's another guy in there. This is what the scriptures you know, have, have in different places in the Bible, there's a theological term, it's called theophany. It's, it's the pre-incarnate Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus. Now, pre-incarnate means, you know, before, before his birth on earth, before that, before he came incarnate after, in Bethlehem, he at different times revealed himself for some reason, for some uh, you know, for some cause, you know, but, but prior to this, this, this kind of experience, just so you know, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, according to scriptures, multiple places, you know, he's up, he's with God. He, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And so it was in the beginning. And in Genesis, it says, let us make man in our image. I mean, Jesus has been around the whole time, but he's, he's not been, he's not been in person until that 33 years when he was on the earth in the flesh. And he's, but he's always been with God. And he's always been sitting at the right hand of God. But this occasion, I think he turned to his father and said, Dad, I want to go down there and kind of freak Nebuchadnezzar out or something like that. Must have been what he did. And so in verse 26 and 27, it says, Nebuchadnezzar comes close as he could to the open door of the furnace. Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High. Now he's like, he's like he got saved. He's like, servants of the Most High God, new religion. I'm all for you guys now. Come out, come out, wherever you are. And so they step out of the fire, and all the, all the, the high, you know, falutin people come around, and they saw 
that these guys hadn't been touched by the fire. They hadn't been singed, not a hair of their head. Their coats were unscorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. See, when you stand up for God, when you stand firm and stand strong for God, you can be in the middle of culture, standing up, and you won't even have the smell of culture on your clothes or upon your life in the middle of all that, like my friend David did when he stood up. And number three, write this down, my final point, standing up inspires others. See, you think people are going to hate you sometimes when you stand up, but they will respect you and they might even follow you for it. Look, you know, dad, if you decided just, you know, before, hey kids, before you go off to school, come around here, come here, come here, come here. I want to pray for you before you go off to school so you can be an influence on the world around you. If you did that, first of all, you're going to have to pick the kids up off the floor because they just passed out. But, but you're not gonna, they're not going to think you're weird. They're going to they're respect you to step into that spiritual leader within your home. And if you decided within your workplace, you're not going to cheat. You're not going to steal. You're not going to lie. You're not going just, to uh, like, just pretend those things aren't happening in your world. And you're not going to get on your desk and, and, and preach and be a weirdo either. But you can minister to people by standing up from, for your faith and by being true to your convictions. That's what happened here. In verse 28 and 30, it says, Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm with you guys. I'm on your team. I'm a Christian. For he sent his angel to deliver his trusting servants when they defied me and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their god. Therefore, look at this, everybody. I make a decree that any person of any nation, language, or religion who speaks a word against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and his house knocked into a heap of rubble. Now, he was saved, but he wasn't sanctified. How many know he needs to go to Next Steps and get a, a freedom conference because he, he, he's got some issues here, okay? So, for no other guy can do what this one does. Then the king gave, check it out. We'll talk more about this next week. He gave promotions to these three guys so that they prospered greatly there in the province of Babylon. So he'll work in you and sometimes through you. And look what happens. They were promoted. There's promotion. There's promotion. And so we're called, everybody, to to be a voice, not to be an echo. The church isn't just a place where you come and feel good and go home. No, this, we're, we're called to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, to connect the disconnected. We're called to make disciples of all nations. We're called to raise up leaders, in particular in the next generation. We're called to uh, teach the, the language and literature of the word of God to our children and to our children's children. We're called to plant churches and, and campuses and expand the kingdom, God's plan A for planet Earth. We're called to help people discover their purpose and make a difference. We're on a mission, everybody. That's not just my call, that's our call. And that's why you need to be a part of a team. Some of you online need to get into Next Steps Online. Become a part of our online campus. Begin to serve, use your talents and gifts for God. Get up off your blessed assurance and use your gifts for God. Amen? So, one final thought, and there's kind of a key to this kind of standing up thought that I want to share with you. It's kind of a philosophy I have of ministry. I don't think we should go around telling people what they shouldn't do and, and police behavior. And, and we're not in maintenance mode. We're in ministry mode. I think people, I especially think this is true of young people, we're not just going to tell them what's wrong and spend all our time trying to clean them up. No, we're going to give them something to live for. Give them something to live for, to, to stand, not what they're, well, not that what they're against, 
but to stand up for what they're for. And turn that rebellion and say, you can be rebellious, just don't be rebellious against God. Be rebellious against the things that are against God or against the, 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 the that are, be rebellious against the world and be for the things of God. Sometimes we have to steer that energy and steer that, that uh, misapplied uh, passion into the, into the right direction. So it's not about what we're against, it's what are we standing up for? The Bible says, if you acknowledge me before men, before people, I will acknowledge you before God. But he went on to say, if you deny me before people, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. He's like saying, you know, I, I guess some people aren't really that serious about their relationship with me. So here's, here's, here's how it says it in the message. This is he, that, excuse me, that's Matthew 10, 32. I'm going to say that same verse in the message. It says, stand up for me against world opinion and look what he does. Stand up, and I'll stand up for you. Stand up for me against world opinion, and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. Wow. Did you know that Jesus is not standing right now? He's actually sitting. He's sitting at the right hand of God. The Bible tells us that in Colossians, and it tells us that in Hebrews, that he's sitting at the right hand of of God the Father. He's interceding on your behalf every single day. No, I want to tell you, this is what Derek's like. This is, this is, my, this is my brother. I promise you, he, God's going to do great things in his life. But why, why is he sitting and not standing? Or, or did he ever stand up? Well, the truth is he did stand up one time. One time I know of in the scriptures for sure. And it was connected to a guy in the Bible, as I conclude, named Stephen. In the, in the book of Acts, it talks about Stephen. He was preaching. He was preaching fire. And he was standing up to people who didn't think like him and didn't believe like him. And he was speaking the truth. And he was doing it in love. And he ends up, he ends up dying for it. He ends up becoming the first Christian martyr. What, a, what kind of a, a, a beautiful distinction that he gets. Millions have followed him since, but he was the first Christian martyr. He was actually stoned to death. He was tied to a pole. And they threw stones at him till literally it covered his body. And he was dead. Look at what it says at Acts chapter 7. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, look what happened. He looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God. This is while he's tied to a pole being stoned. And Jesus, not sitting, standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man, not sitting, standing at the right hand of God. See, when I read this, it hits me hard because... Jesus does stand on some occasions. When you stand for him, he stands for you. He stands for you. I'd like you to open your hands and receive this prayer that I have for you right now. Would you just, would you just pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for courage for my brothers and sisters who are within the sound of my voice for your people. Help them, Lord, to stand for you. Help them to Know when those opportunities pop up that they're supposed to speak up, God. And, and they stand up for you and they stand up for others too. May their standing inspire others to also take a stand. Lord, we're your church and you've called us. You've called us to be bold as a lion and to be strong and to be courageous in our faith in Jesus' name. You might be there and you're like, PD, I am so convicted because... I have not stood up for God the way I should. You might be like that 
that, that widow that I told you about earlier, and you feel like a chameleon Christian, you've just adjusted to the culture, to the shape, to the form of the world, and, and, and you know your commitment is not there. If that's you, I want to pray for you right where you are. We just say, we just maybe raise your hand in the chat or just, just, tell, just say something like, that's me. And I want to pray for you right there. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that those that are sitting on the fence, those that are going back and forth, vacillating in their faith, tossed to and fro like every, by every wind of doctrine and every way of the world and every opinion of man and personality and politics and whatever it is that's got them sidelined and silent, I pray, Lord, that you make them bold as a lion in Jesus' name. Give them the strength, give them the faith to stand up for what they believe when they need to believe it. And Lord, for the one that's far from God, you just agree with me right, right where you are. If you know that you haven't confessed Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I just want you to say that with your mouth, from your heart. Say, Jesus, save me today. I need you. Apart from you, I can't do it. I can't do it. I need you in my life. Rescue me from this life of sin and from this separation from you in Jesus' name. Now, Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, for the boldness, give it to them. For the one that was far from God and didn't know you, come into their life, be their Savior and Lord. Witness to them that they are redeemed and they are now a child of God in Jesus' name. What an honor to pray with you. What an honor to speak to you today. I hope this encouraged you. If you just made a decision to be a follower of God, would you text CC Saved to 97,000? We want to help you on your spiritual journey. We want to give you something and send you something. And while you're here, make sure that you let somebody pray with you. Just join one of the chat rooms. There are people there that are skilled and pastoral and would love to help you on your journey of faith. I hope at some point I can see you face to face. Come join us at one of our locations in our Tri-County campus, our Framingham campus, or Ashland campus. I would love to get to meet you and shake your hand. God bless you, and I'll see you next week for the continuation of our STD series.